more specific information about the characters and then the um, environments they grow up in, the more real and tangible they become to people who are viewing it, and the more relatable it also can be as well. Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising BIPOC artists who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Ozalanda, one half of your co-host. I'm Yuki Okamura-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Trilina Mai. She's a Vietnamese-Chinese artist working as a freelance animator in OC, California. Would you mind telling us a bit about yourself? Yeah, um, like you said, I'm Trilina Mai, and I graduated from CUCLB um, BFA Illustration Animation in 2019, and I currently just freelance uh, for animation at my home. I also work at a small startup studio, but my main work is um, for my freelance life. That's, that must be like a really interesting experience, uh, that mixture of freelancing and then that small uh, indie studio. Yeah, it is. It's like you kind of have to turn off the brain a little bit because work is work. And then immediately when work ends, I get to be like freelance and like freedom and like everything is my say. <laughs> So the way we like to start off straight ahead is by playing a fun little game called In Between. Um, we're going to give you two similar choices, and you have to choose in between the two of them and let us know why. There's there's no right answer. It's just a game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Ray. All right. So who would you rather venture on a quest with? Barley from Onward or Shrek from Shrek? Oh, snap. They're both fun. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I think honestly, I think Shrek. OG. Oh, I'm actually surprised. I thought you would have a bias. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those that don't know, we'll get into this deeper into the interview portion. But uh, Trilina uh, worked on Onward while she was at Pixar as a. What, were you a fixed animator? Was yeah, fixing crowd. It? Nice. Oh, yeah. nice. So I, I purposely set this up because I thought she was going to go with Barley. <laughs> You're trying to rig the results, right? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> You'll never beat Shrek. <laughs> Shrek. Shrek is love. Uh, Shrek is life. Shrek is life. <laughs> Dude, that video still scars me, honestly. Who would you rather have as your robot pal? Baymax or the Iron Giant? I love Baymax. I gotta lean towards Baymax. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. <laughs> He's so large and cuddly. <laughs> but the Iron Giant is like huge and you can fly around. Baymax yeah, can fly think, around I, too. True, true. But I think you need the gear. Is it Baymax with the gear or is it Baymax just being Baymax? But I think I think Baymax is easier to have around because like where are you gonna keep the the Iron Giant? I'll move out, I'll move to the tundra. <laughs> Baymax is also personal health curse. I don't have to worry about that ever. Oh, that's true. <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, As a freelancer, you gotta that... worry about your own health care. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, all, it all works out. That's super true. <laughs> uh, like you mentioned before, you're currently freelancing. That's honestly super, super cool. I think, like... Uh, you're one of the uh, our first guests where we get to kind of talk about that topic. Uh, or some of our listeners more likely know more about working in studio. So can you tell us like what that is for you working 
working as a freelancer versus a studio? Yeah. So you definitely hit up a point. I think school definitely ingrains in your head that going to a studio is kind of the end all be all and where everyone should aim into. And in a way, it's kind of um, misleading because definitely when I like left Pixar from the internship and was like, what do I do now? Freelance was kind of a kind of a like taunting thought because it's like, did I did I like fail and end up just being like working from home and stuff? But what I've learned is that freelance is really nice because, again, you get the full control like you're the director you're the art you're the designer and whatever you and yeah basically every any project that you do is basically what I can dream of it to be and that's one of the nice things about um working on as my own boss versus working with um a giant group though I will say a strong disadvantage is that you do in a way you lack the collaboration and then the um, facial interaction with other human beings as you're like kind of working together on a project. But I've, especially now as I've gotten more into freelance and gotten more clients and such, I've reached into hiring out friends and really alumni from Long Beach actually. So now I, in a way, run my own studio from home and I hire out friends to help me work on projects so I can get through it faster. Uh, that's really awesome, okay. especially when you get to like, yeah, bringing your friends, bringing people that you know can also do the work. So that's that's cool that you're opening up those opportunities for uh, other individuals. Can you tell us a little more how, because you're more uh, animation concentrated. So how is it freelancing as an animator per se? Well, kind of like most things, animators work on, like, they have their own niche and their own style of animation. So first of all, it's like finding that demographic that wants your animation. So as a freelancer, I actually jumped into various roles, such as color designer, background designer, or um, story and all kinds of visual development, just to, like, kind of just kind of test the waters and see what I liked. Um, for animation, I found that I did well um, with uh, songwriters. So the animation I've done is mainly through music videos. And to me, that's fun because I have a musical background. Um, I play piano and I play trumpet. So having that kind of history made it in a way easier for me to animate for these music videos, especially because I had that duo music background and then I could do film and direct and such. So you have like a better understanding of like tempo and like how maybe that can integrate to like animation or the way you would board it out or animate it? Yeah, having that background, just allowing both of those like artistic sides to kind of marry into each other kind of benefited me because I knew what I wanted artistically, but I knew how to ben uh, plus the music and likewise use the music to plus my animation. That's really, yeah, that's that's really, really interesting. cool. I didn't, that's, like, didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it's... it's, it's <laughs> You had that yeah, background. Yeah, I feel like when you always have like, <laughs> no, I didn't. I just learned that like today too. I know you did. I know you did baton twirling. That's that's one of the skills I know you had. Yeah, uh, but... <laughs> yeah, that was part yeah. of marching band. Was that part so... of marching? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did the giant stick and I played the trumpet. Because <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think having a background outside of animation is always beneficial in uh, when integrating into your work. Because for myself, 
I have more of an acting background and and improv background. So I felt like that has always given me uh, a little leg up or a little better understanding when it comes to like working with characters. And so I really appreciated having that background when working in animation. So with the global pandemic that's happening around, has that really affected you as a freelancer? Because most freelancers do work from home. So how's how has this new shift affected you? And then how... uh, with everything being digital and online, has it changed the way you communicate with your coworkers? Working from home in, during the pandemic hasn't really changed my um, kind of setup and workflow because I just work from home all the time. It just changes the environment in which I work in. So um, normally I'll be working from home alone in my home and now my family's all here. So, and we're all hogging Wi-Fi, so we have to deal with that too. So I have my siblings, they're in college right now, so they're studying from school. My mom's actually a teacher, so she's teaching from um, my parents' room. And then obviously I'm working um, from mine. I see my family more, definitely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another thing that changed too is that sometimes working from home does get kind of boring in a sense that you're just stuck in like your kind of fishbowl. So I do miss going to cafes and just outside in general alone to just sketch and draw and kind of like uh, change the setting so like my mind can have a different environment to like think and come up with stuff. So I miss that. Mm, totally. Yeah, if you're generating ideas for like your freelance work, it's um, I guess it'd probably be a little more difficult to kind of like refresh and recharge those batteries, like taking in your surroundings and stuff like that. Yeah, because like... As an artist, like what I think one of the reasons why we like going to cafes and stuff is because it gives us also a chance to like observe life. And there's only so much of our family we can observe after a certain period of time. Uh, where have you freelanced before? Like uh, what kind of companies or people have you freelanced uh, with? And then is there anything that you learned while freelancing you wish you knew when you first started? Yeah, uh, I freelance with... A animator from the UK, his name was Howard Wimhurst. That was my first animation gig. I did an, I did in-betweens for him on a music video he was doing. So that was kind of my first experience um, doing a music video with another artist. And that was really fun because I got to see his style of animation. And that kind of informed me of like, oh, I can animate like this too. And, um, and yeah, it was interesting. So I did that. That was my first gig. And then other stuff I've worked on was background designers, background designers for um, one of my friend who has a YouTube channel. So I did stuff for him. I'm working on a kind of a pilot show right now with another group. And I'm just doing majoritably just color design. So coloring in the backgrounds and, and settings. So that's another one. And then another pilot I'm working on with, I've done character designs, visual development, and then I'm soon to get like an animation test from them or like to do an animation test for one of their characters. So that's basically my company freelances that I've worked with in terms of like shows and stuff. Otherwise, the other stuff I freelance is mainly just through a Facebook group called Asian Creative Network. I found people who just are posting job offers for animators and I I insert my name through there and through that I found Essay or Issei uh, which have the music videos for her and I'm currently working on another vi- music video for another artist right now and I'm really excited for it. 
Damn, it seems like you have like so much going on. How do you, how do you have time for all of that? I don't. Well, quarantine <laughs> helps, <laughs> but also I don't. So, how did you originally like discover the uh, the Asian Creator Network on Facebook? I think December twenty eight twenty eighteen. It's been a couple 18, years. It's been a few years now. Time. Yeah, but it just yeah. kind of came up randomly one day, and I was like, okay. And at first, it was kind of personally, I was kind of like, meh, skeptical about it because it was mainly photographers and fashion people, and basically like yeah, tangible and visual variety. stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, don't know where I fit in, but. I'll just stick around. And then eventually they started branching out into um, locations like LA or um, different um, genres like film, TV or animation or fashion. And yeah, I just kind of stuck through there. And then once in a while, people would be like looking for animators and I'd be like, I'm going to slide my name into here and hopefully something comes up. And that's kind of how that happened with um, SA and then my other two um, artists I'm working with right now for music videos. I think it's really opportune for animators right now because of the work from home situation. So not a lot of like uh, physical like uh, actors, uh, movies, that kind of thing. It's a little bit harder to make. Uh-huh. Yeah, I also think it's just a yeah. I also think it's just the rise again in um, animated music videos too because it's just the just that aesthetic and that look is coming back in. It's cool. Totally. Yeah, because like Doja Cat has done one, Weekend has done one, so it has kind of had like a resurgence. It's mm-hmm. pretty exciting. Continuing on with like your experiences, tell us about your experience being an animation intern at Pixar. How was that? That was the most fun two summers of my life because it was like working with a. Oh wait, it was working with a dream company. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I I started in 2D animation. I learned 2D animation like entirely through um college, and so Pixar was my first experience in the 3D world, and that was a lot. It was the steepest learning curve I've ever experienced, but it was wonderful because you are surrounded by talented people who are also equally willing to like, just share their knowledge and experience to you and just kind of guide you through the way there and for me I grew a lot a lot obviously I learned 3D within the summer and and I learned about how much more you can put in your animation because 2D has a specific style it can be very detailed but it also just can be limited to and that's just how it is that's one of the beauties of having 2D but I learned through Pixar was how much more you can put within like the characters to sell like uh, nuance motions and mm-hmm. just really just inflect like humanity within a honestly a fake being. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. So you only knew 2D before your internship? Or? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and they like they saw your 2D stuff and they're like, uh, let's let's bring her on anyway, right? Yeah, it's nice. Pixar is one of the few places that allows 2D animators to like jump in because it's an educational based um summer internship. Yeah, most of uh, Pixar's uh, internships they're more like kind of like kind of like a workshop. It's like a training workshop where you in an, in a learning environment. But for you, how did uh, your first uh, time interning at Pixar compare to your second time? Because your second time. You actually got to work on something. Yeah. So the first summer is just like getting thrown into a new program, which is 
to those who know Maya is like a similar, more intelligent cousin, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they develop it. So it's like, it's better. Yeah, the proprietary software. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, you're jumping into a new program. For me, it's just learning a different language of um, animation, really. And that first time I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so new. I'm a baby. I'm a real big baby. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just learning. Um, Yeah, they're basically just showing you like, hey, this is the program. And this is kind of how we animate or like the style of animation here. This is how detailed it is. And this is the um, different workflows that a lot of our artists use to animate our characters and bring them to life. So the first time was just like being uh, force fed so much information that is just like honestly overwhelming, but you get through it. And I learned, obviously I learned a lot and grew enough to where I was able to come back in 2019 as a fixed animator for Onward. And that was an amazing experience too, because coming back in, it was like, I felt a little bit more comfortable with studio itself, the people in the studio, um, how the studio works, and the pr um, software that the studio offers. And jumping back into a production was actually nice because it had clear direction in terms of like, these are my assignments. They fit within a certain parameters because that's what the director wants. And I got to work with actual um, animators at Pixar, and that was a nice experience to consider those people my coworkers for that summer. Yeah, well, going back, because you have like a, because again, Pixar has their own proprietary animation software. Was it like riding a bike after going a whole year without touching it? Yeah, it was, Um, I think for me, seeing the program and understanding what it did was remembered. Like I knew the general structures of how to do it and like where to press the buttons and stuff. I think where the learning curve did have to come back slightly was just, well, relearning my muscles of how much more to fudge around with the character rigs. Because 3D, 3D animation is very linear and perfect, so you have to get in there and put your hand in there, mess around with all the splines to make it work. And that was something I had to um, re-exercise my muscles to get back into, because 2D is so much easier. You just draw it, versus like messing with the spline and playing over again, then messing with the spline <laughs> again, then hoping it works, kind of. Oh yeah, I cannot do 3D. I look at the, I look at the spline chart, and I'm like, I'm done. I can't. But it's so great. You just... You just move the curves, and then everything is nice and yes. You don't have to redraw anything. That's the nice part. You just move a little thing, and then it's done. Yeah, I love that. Do you feel like there's a way that you like uh, presented yourself? Are there like any important soft skills, I guess, you learned as an intern? Yeah. I mean, the fact that they bring you in already speaks a lot because they see that potential in you. It's a lot of factors, honestly. It's not just talent alone, but it is a combination of talent and then your um, personality and your workability to like be with the people that are already there. Because as much as it is important for you to be good at what you do, you gotta. Um, it's important to see how you can grow within that team environment. How you just um, work synonymously with the environment that's there. So it's a lot of factors, but honestly, it's more important just to be respectful and be yourself at the most. What scenes did you actually get to work on on Onward? I have to remember the scenes now. Okay. I did a lot of scenes in the when in the tavern where it lit on fire. Um, oh, man. Yeah, that was a... Uh, I did that with um, my, um, another intern, 
I was with, we tag team on the characters on that. And that was a, that was a doozy because that was like my second, like crowd, like big crowd shot to do. And we had to like fix those characters and add a personality into them to make it look mm. believable. Cause how it worked was that, well, uh, crowds tech does the majority of work. They just place the characters in and then we go in there and we're like, all right, I'm going to give you a mini story within this bigger story. So, like, it was in the birthday scene, so we had a bunch of people, like, running with, like, birthday gifts and, um, like, grabbing children and taking out. <laughs> if you look at, if you go back and check out the scene where they're running out of the tavern, the right-ish corner, um, you'll find a goblin with two takeout bags. And I did that boy. And, and that was you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, you paid for the food. <laughs> that's like that's like the Jurassic Park martini guy where he's, like, running away with the two martinis. Oh, yeah, he's so like, true. I uh... paid for these. <laughs> so, yeah, I would drop by the animation intern room a lot, and I would just see uh, Jelena and Daniel working on those scenes, and I remember, like, just bugging you, just wanting to, like, have that peak. <laughs> also, you guys always had snacks, so that's one of the reasons why I also yes, by. Yes, we're always, <laughs> always fed in some sort of way. What, they don't feed you story people? <laughs> no, they, they, they do. They, they, they supply this with some, like, granola bars, but they actually get some good snacks. They had, like, cookies and, like, muffins yeah. and, like, See, animation's brownies. better than story, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that Going through the animation program at Cal State uh, Long Beach prepared you for like Pixar, prepared you to have that opportunity there. Or, and how was it for you going through uh, going through their program? For me, when I came in, it was still in the newer uh, phase where it was still growing as the program versus when I left. It was like kind of finally getting its feet on the ground and trend, mm -hmm. like kind of blazing its way through um, different programs in. Uh, different students and getting um, just more notice, I say. Yeah, like recognition, like, oh, this program exists. Yeah, I was like, we're here. We have pretty good people. Please hire. <laughs> <laughs> That's how San Jose State used to be, where people are like, San Jose State? You guys have an animation program? <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, yeah, I, I've heard uh, quite a few people about uh, Long Beach now. Especially because uh, Long Beach is where... 24-hour animation was conceived which they're doing right now this weekend yeah it, yeah, yeah yeah i this think moment i think it's done is it isn't it Wait, does it because it's, 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 it's thursday it should wrap around three or four because usually we start around three or four on a friday yeah it's it started yesterday yeah sorry yesterday oh sorry yesterday. friday, thought, oh, friday thought, and saturday i thought it was i thought it was starting on a, you on a fool thursday. we entered the <laughs> no no it's Did friday to saturday oh yeah no you're right you're right why do i think it's a Thursday then. Oh no, you don't want that. <laughs> Old man Ray. What trips me up? <laughs> because uh, Sunday's no, recovery right. day. Yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's happening right now at the recording of this podcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As we speak, there are thousands of um, sleep deprived <laughs> college students. <laughs> yeah, a uh, few more hours to the finish line. Oof. Do you think uh, Cal State Long Beach prepared you for life after college? No. <laughs> Yeah, no, in the sense that I learned what I needed to know in terms of art and animation, but it lacked the preparedness of what studios wanted in art and animation. You know, like how animation in um, studios is just 
Well, particularly, well, there's a difference between TV animation versus um, feature animation, especially like the right. bigger studios. Is like bigger studios want realism and um, well, it depends where you are, but they want really good flow and a lot of personality within your characters. Yeah, I had I had the basis, but um, definitely. Especially, like, having that internship my junior year, I, like, understood how much more what my field was in terms of animation and story, like, what they wanted. And so, in a way, yes, they gave me my, like, my foundation, but there was so much more that I needed to grow and learn because I either um, didn't know it, they didn't provide the information... Or stuff like that, but yeah, I think. But um, I will say that's why it is important to um, do the research on your own and jump into any talks that are offering, which is nice because a lot of studios are doing the talks now online. Oh yeah, there's so, so many. It's there's so, so many. many virtual panels. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard to so attend good. every single one. <laughs> I know. I actually think Nick did a really good job on theirs. They were my favorite um webinar series for sure. Mm-hmm. So far. Yeah, Cartoon Network is is really tough to get into because it's so limited, and like everybody's trying to get those tickets and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think what's also good about Nick is that I think just overall I think out of all the studios, their social media game is super super strong. For sure, I also think it's just a mix because they have such a diverse pool of people from different places. Like it's not all coagulated from one school. It's just like a mix of a lot of people from random places. Mm. Hmm. I think um, something you touched on earlier, too, uh, which is good about getting into a workplace is that in a school environment, a lot of the times uh, the students will feel like they're competing against each other and that they have to, like, hide information or, like, if they discover something, they have to save it for themselves. But I think, like, once you get into a work environment, everybody is literally there because, one, they're being paid, but also, like, they just (laughs) want to create a good product together. So it's always like a more collaborative, like everybody is willing to help each other kind of thing, um, which is like it speeds up your learning process. And I think it's really important, like, yeah, once you get into a workforce, like people are just there to help you um, and for you to help them and, and grow. So I was very lucky that I had the chance to actually see Push at Pixar because you did a cool screening of it in the animation pod for all of us. And it's such... For those that haven't seen it, it's such a wonderful like slice of life story about like a little uh, little girl and her grandpa and how uh, as she gets older, uh, you know, or I guess when she's younger, the grandpa is there for her a lot, kind of pushing her where she needs like to have that uh, that assistance. And then at the end, there's this cool like little twist on it. So how was that for you, you know, directing that and working on it? Yeah, well, I'm going to crush your heart for a sec. It's actually a boy. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, it's very... Uh... Ambiguous. It is kind Androgyn- of ambiguous, yeah, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, it's a boy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll just... I think it works in, both in, ways. In, in post, I'll just, re- I'll just say girl. You, we <laughs> or should, I'll say boy, I'll say yeah, boy. Yeah, <laughs> you should say, like, we should just clip out you saying boy and, like, superimpose it into that exact moment. <laughs> He has a robot voice in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boy. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, like, how was that directing that? I I agree. I um, it's available on YouTube now. So I also watched it, and I thought it was very uh touching, very nice 
uh, vignette into like the life these of these people. Yeah, yeah, pushes my um, senior thesis at Long Beach. For me, how how push came about was that I was realizing that people around me were um, kind of losing others because. I had people, their parents passed away. Um, Long Beach at that time also was in the face of mourning because we lost one of our professors too. Mm. Um, so mm. for me, it was like, okay, how, it got me think of like how, like how our lives kind of tangent with others um, and how different relations just kind of um, evolve and mold. And for me, it, it made me think of how a relationship with other people, both friends, families, um, people who are looked up to, um, how those evolved and that's kind of how push came out was just how I wanted to explore how a relationship changes over time and I went with a grandfather and his grandson because for me in my childhood that was my biggest thing um, with my grandparents is just those small moments of either them taking me to school or them taking me to park or just hanging out with them while my parents were doing like parental things and just <clears throat> how I grew up in that environment especially as an asian well i guess a lot of scenarios but particularly as an asian american that you have that really tight-knit um interaction with other family members especially like your grandparents so it was a very big part of me growing up so i really wanted to kind of just dive into um, that for my film because mm-hmm. yeah i think that's also very true in like hispanic culture as well like we really respect our elders and we take care of our elders like oftentimes in a mexican household yeah, our grandparents usually end up living with us. We take care of each other. And it's like, yeah, that kind of close to kind of like relationship. So does does your cultural background impact the stories that you like to tell? Yeah, I think if you think about it just naturally, I don't see it as my culture being like influential to me because that's just kind of how I grew up, but also because I have a mixed culture of, Asia, of um, American Vietnamese and Chinese. So it's just that I live in a giant mush of, Asian and American related culture but mm-hmm. for push definitely I definitely wanted to make it more relatable to my scenario of how I grew up and it, yeah and it just worked out that way too because something I also learned from I guess everywhere and then well both school and Pixar is that the more specific information about the characters and then the um, environments they grow up in, the more real and tangible they become to people who are viewing it, and the more relatable it also can be as well. So for me, putting in mm-hmm. my culture of, um, my Asian culture of, I did food in there, and mm-hmm. yeah, it was okay, mostly like food. I found boba. Boba, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was mostly those two that I really put in there but for me it just felt natural for me because that's 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 how i grew up so that was what i was comfortable with and i don't know that makes it more lovable that way like friends and you can see both well i see both myself in there but other people can also look at it and see themselves in there too with their um relationships in their life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i think like um even like getting down to the specificity with the fun and stuff and the boba uh is is really nice like a nice touch but i think people can relate to like having a meal with your your family with your grandparents and like being pushed in a stroller because like everybody uses those Mm -hmm. so it's it's really nice and then you know like getting older and um maybe like helping your grandparents like with their walker or pushing them in a a wheelchair i think 
these are things that people still can relate to, like regardless of culture. What's really what's really cool about um, push and something I feel like I want to get like your insight on it. It's it's gone through the film festival circuit and it's gotten like tons of accolades and awards. How was it for you applying to film festivals? How was like that process like? Yeah, so I mean, I knew already like starting from my senior year that I wanted to do the festival circuit, and I think what helped uh, me kind of well, kind of inspired me to get into it was. Honestly, through the internship, um, I met Aviv Mano, and his film was Game Changer, which was also shortlisted. Well, no, it won um, an award for Student Academy that that year that I was in too. But watching him like set up his um, what do you call it, Kickstarter um, account, and seeing and talking to him about how he ran through the festival and how successful um, his film was inspired me to like go and try out the circuit for my own um yeah so applying is pretty easy all you do is just upload all your stuff to um, film freeway and you honestly just mm-hmm. apply i had my set budget from my own kickstarter so i had to just be mindful of how many paid ones that i applied to and they get pretty expensive so it's really important to first of all have a budget if you're gonna apply to paid film festivals but thankfully, there's a lot of free ones, too, especially for animation. So for me, and that's why I'm still in festivals now, is that I keep applying to the free ones. Um, so, yeah, I keep applying to the free ones. And a lot of times I would get in as just official selection or sometimes I would win. And that experience is really, it's very self-validating, honestly, because I didn't think my film would have that much, um, would be like that much. But I... <laughs> Yeah, but it has, and like I personally do well in children's festivals and Asian-related film festivals, so that's kind of my niche mm. of um, applying to places. So I've done push has done really well in there. I'm really happy that like people are aware of it in that sense. Did you kind of like think about that going in, like, oh, this might appeal to like uh, children's uh, audiences or like. Asian audiences particularly or did you just kind of apply everywhere and that that's something something you noticed a little bit of both like there are some that you obviously know you like big um animation ones like the Ontario or no Toronto or mm-hmm. LAPAFF or just other different noticeable animation festivals that I definitely did apply into but my professor at the time did recommend that we um focus a lot on on these niche um, festivals with categories. So yeah, Asian-related festivals were definitely something I put more of my applications into, as well as um, children's festivals, because that's where I knew my appropriate audience would be. So it works well. For sure. Yeah, something to go to go in at that um, kind of understanding what the film you're creating or what the project you're creating and seeing what audience it could resonate with the most if, you, if they plan on going that film festival circuit route. So that's actually like, yeah, that's something you don't really tend to think about. You just want to tell your story. And then uh, I think submitting to film festivals for a lot of first timer students is like, that's like a second thought. The first thought is like, got to get this done. <laughs> oh, for real. So another project that I also really want to talk uh, talk about is like probably one of your most recent ones is uh, Wishing Upon You. And that's something, a collaboration that you did with with Essay. So how 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 is it? animating a music video compared to something 
uh, like like push because I'm pretty sure it's like a different part of your brain and maybe that's where your musical background that we talked earlier comes into play. Yeah, so animating for that one specifically and actually any music videos actually I find it easier because you already have that set time um, time frame which is the song itself and the music's already there for you so you don't have to think about what am I going to tell my uh, composers. So really it's just all visual and that's all you need to focus about. So that was nice. Um, I What I like to do is like I like to have my, uh, my song writer, if they have a story or something that related to uh, for that song that they sang, then I would try to work upon that. Like, so for uh, Wishing Upon You, um, she wrote that as basically a love song to the moon as she, during her times where she had to commute from Irvine to LA and just that immense feeling of being alone and struggling. But within all that hardship, she had the basically the moon to uh, give her comfort in her times. And I, she gave me the idea, and I basically just took with it and took with it and ran. Basically, I love that part in in wishing upon you when um the person is like in their commute because if you have ever been in LA traffic, it really just feels like so devastating. You just sit there for like twenty minutes and then move one inch or whatever. But yeah, no, it was great. I was like, wow, I've done this exact thing where I've put my head on the <laughs> wheel and kind of just like. <laughs> waiting for traffic to go um i thought that was a really nice like subtle acting moment and then she like reaches out to the moon uh it's a really nice like invokes a feeling of hope mm -hmm. uh to me um i think you both of you captured that really well in like the music and the the video oh yay thank you yeah the the visuals are like amazing and like the way you you're, you set up your shots and like yeah the way it plays with the music was really really well done how did you end up meeting uh, Essay and how did that collaboration form? And do you plan on still collaborating with her in the future? Yeah, so um, we actually met through ACN, um, through Asian Creative Network. She posted a post sometime in December last year saying she needed another animator to help her out on Squish. And I messaged her and I ended up being on it. Yeah, so that was cute. That's how I met her. And for Squish, that was more of like a, she wanted that more as a, a GIF kind of music video, where it's kind of where you can see the frames, basically. But yeah, that's kind of how that came about. I ended up working on the entire thing on my own, but that was really nice. It kind of got me back into animating. Um, yeah, actually animating for clients. And then she came back to me later to offer up wishing upon you as her next um animated music video so and that was a really fun experience too because i got to go a little bit more crazy on it it just seems like you have so much going on you do a lot of stuff you direct a lot of stuff do you have any other current side projects going on right now i'm working on another music video right now with a different artist and i'm actually really excited this one um because i hired a background artist um, my friend's a background artist and I have another friend who's doing character designs and I'm so excited because I've seen some of the work so far that they're giving me and it's like oh it's so beautiful oh, that's just really really cool and then like yeah so you're, like, you're bringing your friends in that's awesome yeah I think that's yeah I think that's just I felt I feel like that's just something that I can't find a better word but like a duty I guess 
because it's like I have all these opportunities uh, with people and though I would love to do it on my own I realize that I can't with my current life schedule so why not just bring people who are honestly better than me in certain skills and then just have them do their magic and then in a way give them opportunities to kind of beef up their portfolio as portfolio and resume as well give them that experience of working on um, bigger projects and they would probably alone because most of my friends honestly are either doing working other part-time jobs or doing personal projects or doing simple commission freelances so mm -hmm. I very I'm very personally very grateful that I get to um, be a person to give like different opportunities because yeah and especially in music too because most again everyone's kind of like I want to go into the film and tv industry and music is just it's it's there and it's ready for people to be creative so why not bring people who are creative and let them showcase their work yeah so when when bringing in when bringing your friends do you have like a set budget from whoever first contracted you and like how do you yeah how do you even go about mm -hmm. asking that like because i like i think i think sometimes and correct me if i'm wrong but usually when people do tend to like freelancer and artists, they kind of do assume like, oh, this person knows how to do everything and this person can do everything by themselves. And so, yeah, how was it for you explaining to whoever was contracting you or asking if you can bring other people to help you on this current project? Yeah, I mean, this artist I'm working on with right now is he's been really, um, yeah, giveaway, he's a he. And he's been really... Uh, open to that. I actually was really upfront with him when I um, said that. I was like, I would love to work on his music video, but with my timeline, it is impossible for me to get it done in three months by myself. So I am going to bring in help. And he's like, sure. So what I do is I actually manage all the the split in terms of pricing and stuff. So it's just me um, working with the artists who set budget. And then from that budget, I'm just like hiring out, hiring out friends that way. So it's like, a very expensive commission from two other friends. But mm. yeah. With all the projects that you've done, all the projects you directed, do you do you see yourself as a director in the future? Is that one of your future aspirations? Yeah, I learned to really like directing or just being the person to kind of just tell the story. It's kind of nice. I've always loved that organization kind of aspect as much as I love creating. I also have that other side of my personality too. So yes, I do intend to uh, direct a lot more, either music videos or more short films that I uh, want to come up with. Would you want to direct a feature in the future if that was like, if given the opportunity? Oh, heck yeah. That'd be so cool. <laughs> that would be the longest thing I've ever done. But yes. <laughs> But that's something that you that you want for yourself that you you see yourself directing feature film. Honestly, I'm really fluid in sense I don't really mind um what I direct. It's just if they come up, they come up. I'm very fluid with like how life works, but it's like if the opportunity arises and I can do that and I do get the op chance to do that, then absolutely I'm going to take that chance and go for it. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's awesome. Do you think you would ever like create your own studio in the future? You already like kind of like moving people around i kind of am i know <laughs> I, am. I need more clients first but it's definitely mm -hmm. uh it's definitely a thought in my head that's awesome i think that would be really cool <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah so what inspired you to actually want to pursue a career in animation 
I mean, like most people, I grew up with the all the Disney films and DreamWorks films that were 2D animated back then. So those were like my heart and soul as a child. And so as a result, I've always loved drawing. And but I never understood like animation was a thing to get into, honestly, until high school. In high school, I took a, a very rudimentary 2D animation class. And that's kind of what gave me like the bug of, oh, this is something I can do. This is something I can major in and I could work work in and kind of, I love art and I always will, but I just never knew that this was a pathway until I got into it. It's, that's honestly uh, really cool because I, I had a similar experience as well where I didn't realize animation was something that I wanted to do or was even a possibility till like my senior year of high school. I think depending where you come from, it's super hard to wrap your mind around that it's a possibility sometimes. Yeah, it really is. It really depends because there's still a part of me that is insanely jealous of anyone who knows immediately that they want to be who they want to be at such a young age. <laughs> because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because especially for me for animation is like, or for art in general is like, I grew up in the environment where it's like the stereotype you gotta be the stable job the doctor the whatever mm-hmm. and such doctor, lawyer doctor lawyer engineer whatever you want I'm Asian mm-hmm. just saying so <laughs> so yeah I grew up in that kind of environment so it just never was something that my family was aware of so that's their lack of knowledge about it just also kind of played into just me not being sure of this um, being my, the field I want to be in. So jumping into this field was um, both something that I really wanted to, but also just an act of insane rebellion. So what, one more thing to kind of like wrap this up is uh, what, what advice do you have for like high school and college students who want to pursue a career in animation? I know we talked about it a bit like right now, but yeah, what's something that you want to bestow upon our listeners? Like, if you have an inkling of that this is the field that you want to go in, start your research and start your research, like, honestly, in high school. I wish I knew, I wish I was, like, sure in high school because there is so much stuff that that you can learn and then be prepared for, especially going to college. Like, don't expect college or school or anything to, like, just hand you Um, on like a silver platter like this is what you need to do to get into the industry Um, definitely put in the research on your own to understand what um, the world is looking for from um, artists of all sorts also take time to invest in the proper equipment Uh, I definitely know a lot of people who are in college right now and at Long Beach that don't have um, the proper uh, programs or equipment to do what they need to do. And especially with the world being um, kind of remote as it is, it's hard for them, for those who relied on school equipment to do all their work, it's basically impossible for them to do anything right now. So um, take time to research and invest in the equipment that you're going to possibly be using for the rest of your life if this is the field that you want to be in. No, that's some that's some solid advice. I think that's oftentimes, yeah, you don't you don't think about. I know, and I think that's a common question for like like us. Like UK and I went to San Jose State, and like one of the common questions that on admitted Spartans Day when they're touring the animation uh, program and the classrooms is like, what laptop do I buy? What's uh, what like yeah, do I need a certain type of this or certain type of that? 
And so, yeah, doing your research beforehand, knowing what it needs, because especially if you're going to be going to school, these softwares are powerful. And if you don't have a machine that could run it, oh my God, you're going to have a terrible time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's it's really an investment for your future, like learning how to like do the basics and, and while and that, you're in yeah, that, and that's like how that. you got to think about it. You're investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, uh, don't cheapen yourself by buying like a $500 laptop. That's, that's not going to last you the first year of college. Really, really make those investments. Yeah. I also think that's just a testament to us too. Cause we're from Cal state. Um, that, Honestly, your education can come from anywhere. It can come from online, mm-hmm. trade school, um, public schools, or art schools, if that's what you can afford. Um, yeah. Education can come from anywhere. You can learn from anything, even from your own if, you do, if you're into that stuff. But what you can't get is the equipment. So equipment definitely, um, in a way, kind of trumps um, the rest. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, where can our listeners find you? And is there anything you want to plug? For sure. Um, on all my accounts, I'm actually Trulina Mai. So that's my first name and last name together. T-R-I-L-I-N-A-M-A-I. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Feel free to reach me there. Nice. If you like what you've heard, please rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP and let us know your response to today's in-between question. Or if you have any suggestions for future in-between questions, contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for guests, please tweet at us. We love discovering new artists and want to make this platform a place to boost these voices of the future. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening, and thank you once again to our guest, who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye.